Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. Today, I have my friend Kate Boyd joining me. She is a life coach. She works with female entrepreneurs across the board, and it is such a joy to have her here. Hey, Kate. Hey, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me. I would love, as always, for you to start by sharing your story. I love introducing you to our listeners and them just getting to know you. Yeah. So, um, I actually started being an entrepreneur about three years ago. Um, And if you count the time that I blogged before that, then four years ago, because I was working in my day job. And for a long time, I had coached cheerleading on the side, but for different reasons, I was needing to let go of that so I could pursue my full-time job a little bit better and just have a better life balance in the process. But I wanted to stay connected and saw a need for people to be equipping cheerleading coaches in, in the process. So I um, then did that. I started a blog to help cheerleading coaches and um, and then a year later launched a couple of products and, um, you know, it's just, it really grew. And as I sort of journeyed through, um, you know, a couple of years of experiencing online business and just the different um, communities that you become a part of, I really started um, just noticing the lack of Christian voices in, in the area, in the, you know, communities. And, um, at the end of 2015, I really went through what was probably one of the harder times in my life, just struggling with some anxiety and depression and like crippling insecurity and just trying to figure out like how that affected my business and how do I go forward and where are resources for someone with my worldview, you know, so that I can, because I wasn't really in a great place to try to match up somebody else's beliefs to what I believe and overlay all of that. And so I just really had a hard time. And the Lord was so great to really point me to a couple of resources that, um, you know, pointed me back to my identity in Him and um, and all of that. And so I was able to come through that. And as I did, I just found myself like even more frustrated that there weren't Christian voices in, in the area in in this whole online entrepreneur space, because, um, you know, I know that there have to be people out there like me who are going through these different things and trying to figure out how that affects their businesses or how they run their businesses from a Christian perspective and or with God in the center of it. And, um, you know, just praying through that and even just being really frustrated with it, I felt the Lord lay on my heart that perhaps I was supposed to be a person in that whole thing to be a voice in the space and to step out. And so I, I, I did I, uh, about a year ago, I just celebrated my uh, year in bus- in this business. Um, I put up a quick website and like created some like random coaching packages. I'd never been a business coach or a life coach or anything before. So I was just kind of like trying to figure it out, put some things up and put out something for scholarship clients and got them pretty quickly. Like it felt like overnight, really, like within a week and um, just sort of like got to connect to that and see what God was doing through me and through them and their businesses. And as all that unfolded, it just sort of um, turned into me being a business coach, but that helps people keep God at the center of their business um, and build it with excellence and integrity and also have somebody who 
doesn't look at them crazy when they say, well, I really feel like God is asking me to do this. Or, um, you know, I'm really struggling with this and what would God think of it? And how does that affect my business and my life? And so um, I kind of combine all of those things. So I'm I provide some strategy, but I also provide support for in their fear and in their faith as well. And that's how I ended up here a year later with, you know, a, a business built on that in addition to the one that I, that I initially started. Wow. I mean, I am so amazed because what a, a seemingly quick process, but at the same time, it's really cool to look back on your life and see that, wow, God was preparing me for coaching just in a different capacity so much earlier than I ever planned on being a, you know, a business coach. Does that, does that make sense? Or does that speak to you? Cause you were a cheerleading coach, right? Yeah. I mean, I never expected to be a business coach. Frankly, when I started an online business, everyone at that point, and even now they talk about a lot was talking about like courses, 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 courses. That was like the thing to do. So that's why in my other business, I started a course. I didn't even realize that like business coaches were a thing like three years ago. And um, so when that happened, it was really surprising to me. But yeah, looking back on my life and just and even my giftings and like the way that everything that I've ever done in my life, I've wanted or been able to teach to other people or to stand with them and teach them how to do that. And so to see like there were times when I felt totally unprepared to be a business coach. But when I really look back at my life and go, oh, I was actually been a coach for you know, half of my life. Why do I feel so intimidated here? But yeah, I mean, to your point, God totally has prepared me for this for many, many years. And so it's just really fun to see how he's woven it all together in this new business. That is so cool. And so I see the first month you launched, this is crazy. You had a four figure month. What was that like? Um, I mean, it was really crazy. It, it was really unexpected. Um, and yeah, I mean, you just sort of like do what you think will happen. And the Lord like totally just blessed all of that to be able to, you know, step in and get, um, you know, that kind of confirmation early on. I think I actually really needed it or I probably would have backed out a lot earlier. <laughs> right. But he's been gracious to kind of keep me motivated and keep me convicted that this is what I need to do even when things weren't as easy or fun, you know, in business as they sometimes are. Wow. I mean, I'm just amazed because that's taking a huge leap of faith. And what obviously you're not, it's not like you're motivated by money, but it is encouraging when you, you know, can make a living off of doing what you love. So that is super cool. So what has been your favorite part about working with and coaching you know, these entrepreneurs and helping them with their, what is it more exciting to work with them with their faith and fear or their strategy to get their business, you know, off the ground or profitable or successful? Yeah. I mean, um, I really, my favorite thing about working with them is just how passionate and clear that they are and what they're doing. Um, I mean, every one of them feels so called to what they do. And so it's really fun to walk alongside people who experience that like I have and to help support them, you know, with their mindset and their strategy in that way. Um, and I mean, I really like a balance of both. I I feel like my, my uh, the thing that lights me up is 
to facilitate light bulb moments. So what whatever capacity that looks like, whether it's in this faith place or this, you know, fear place or this, you know, successful strategy place, like if I can help somebody get to that point or see something awesome happen from what they've done, um, you know, just by helping to guide and focus them or encourage them. I feel like that's really the biggest blessing in what I do. Wow. I mean, what a fun job to get to work with dreamers, essentially day in and day out. That is just really cool. So you have become quickly a regular contributor to the Huffington Post, to Rising Tide Society, YFS Magazine. I'd love to hear about that process and um, getting those opportunities. What is it like to kind of step into those, to pitch yourself Um, I I would also love to hear about pitching yourself because that's brave. And I think a lot of our listeners have their own dream, have their own business. Um, and it is always encouraging to hear some advice from someone who's had to pitch themselves and now is successful in, in their field. Yeah. So I actually come from a journalism PR marketing background. So I think that really helped me in being able to find the right places, but also to be able to be competent in what I was pitching, having been sort of on the other side as, you know, a blog curator or um, figuring out, you know, what topics we should be talking about. So I think what's really important is to really familiarize yourself with the different outlets that you're pitching. So going on there and, Um, I always encourage people to at least look back at the last like 10 different articles that they did. Like, what are the headlines? What's the main idea? How do they like people to approach the different topic? Um, You know, is it more no nonsense? Is it more sense of humor? Um, And just really like spend some time in each of those places, because when you do, um, you know, you get to know them and you can actually connect with whomever it is that you're pitching to over that particular, over something that you really connected with and show that you understand what they're looking for in contributors. So just being able to go in and do that is, um, you know, can be challenging. But I think if, if you really take the time to get to know them, and also the other part is that you have to know yourself really well. You have to know you know, what is your unique voice? What is your unique topic or take on things that can, um, you know, bring value to their audience? Like what is something different that you provide that maybe they don't see from everybody else all the time? So when you put those things together, it becomes a lot easier to write an email and say, hey, I'm, I love what you did, especially in this place. And this is what I do and who I am. And this is the, you know, here are a few topics that I think that I could provide your audience that would be of value. And so just to be able to, you know, write that email and send it in, it is really hard to hit the send button sometimes, especially (laughs) when you're sending to something like Huffington Post or, you know, you're emailing Ariana Huffington and asking her if she'll let you write on her blog. And that seems really crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, I think coming from my background, that felt almost like the easier thing to do. I know that, um, a lot of people are much more comfortable in like one-on-one conversations and relationships, but that wasn't the case for me. So I used sort of my strengths and the things that I was more comfortable with in order to get myself out there so people could then connect with me on a on a deeper level. And it made it a little bit easier, I think, for me 
to connect with people on a deeper level. And um, just by being able to share my message in a more amplified platform. Um, So I think that really helped me. Um, And yeah, I mean, pitching is definitely scary. But if you really did your research and you're um, doing really well at just continuing to put yourself out there, I think the other thing is just to not be discouraged. Or even if they turn you down, maybe ask if there is something that you could have done better or um, you know, if there was something, if there's a particular thing that they're looking for now that you could maybe do instead, um, or then create a pitch around. So sometimes it's just a matter of even going back and forth and getting to know the people so that you can actually provide something that they might want, even if it wasn't the first thing that you handed out to them. Ooh, I'm so fascinated. Taking notes here. Cause that is just such good advice because I mean, it, it is important to learn how to pitch yourself and to approach. To, to network, which can be terrifying. So very cool. I mean, I just love hearing your um, input on that. Um, I know that you talk a lot about um, being brave and God specifically told you to be brave, you know, in your own journey. Um, what do you have to speak to into that specific topic for our listeners um, in your own story? I know that you took a leap of faith in the midst of anxiety and depression um, into, you know, and juggling a day job and just stepping into this. I would love to kind of hear your journey a little more there. Yeah. So at the beginning of 2016, like a lot of people every year, I pick a word for the year. I actually pick three words for the year um, because I feel like they apply to different areas of my life. And brave was one of them. And so was breakthrough. And um, I didn't really know how that would shape. I just really felt like God had laid those words on my heart. Um, And so I was like, okay, as I got into, you know, January and February and was sort of feeling this calling toward, you know, coming out of that anxiety and depression place and feeling this calling toward maybe starting a new business that I didn't really know anything about. I knew it was very different and it was very scary to put myself out in a new way, not even really knowing what it was going to shape up to, just kind of figuring it out as I went Um, in some ways. I mean, I think having a little bit of business experience prior helped a lot and marketing, you know, experience as well. But there's so much, I mean, there's when you're in a different business model, things look so different and you approach things in a different way. And so I really was kind of learning as I went. And so I just kept feeling like God was saying, like, continue to be brave. He just like kept bringing up that word or Bible verses or people would speak that to me. Um, And one day, so every Wednesday, my church has a prayer and worship service and I like to go because it's really like I felt like last year it was really a time when I encountered the spirit in a way that I hadn't in a long time. And um, at the end of each one, they let people come up and share like testimonies of either things that they sort of like feel the Lord is asking them to say or of things that have happened that week. And somebody got up and said, you know, I don't know who this is for, but um, God told me, you know, to let you know that a breakthrough is coming. And so it was really weird. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the other word. And that's like the word that I didn't tell anybody about because I didn't really know how to explain it. (laughs) Um, And so in that whole time, I was like, okay, I just need to keep going. And brave was sort of the word that just continued to propel me. Like every time it got scary, I was like, well, God just really asked 
me to be brave. And I think what he really meant is that I need to be obedient. And I think that's really what it came down to was, and even in all of our lives, like there's always going to be scary things that we're going to have to do. And, um, and sometimes we wait for the courage and so that we can act, but I think it sort of works the other way around. We have to do the thing and then we get courage from that. And we even get courage from outside of ourselves. Our confidence and our bravery isn't even in our own ability. It's in God's ability to sustain and support us. And so just knowing like that I was totally convicted that this is what I needed to be doing. And really all I needed to do was to take that step. And so as I did, you know, brave just kind of became like my anthem word and just kept me to move forward, you know, step by step, little by little. And um, so that I could then feel confident and secure and, and even see new things happen, like a new business and all of that on the side of, of everything else. And then about halfway through the year in June, I was on a trip for um, my job. I, I worked at an international missions agency. So part of my job was to travel abroad sometimes. And over the summer, I had a two-week trip. And at that point, um, in the hustle and bustle of something that normally makes me like really come alive being overseas, I was just really drained. And as I was reading and praying um, on the last few days where we finally did have some downtime, I, I heard the Lord ask me to leave my job and I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> um, not financially, not emotionally, not spiritually, like none of that, not mentally, because I actually, re- I'm unlike a lot of people who are in this space, I loved my job. I would have kept doing that for as long as I possibly could have had he not all basically explicitly asked me like I've there are a few things and a few times in my life where I really feel felt like the Lord has spoken to me and one and two of those were last year when God asked me to start this business and then he asked me to leave my job and so when I got back from that trip close to the end of June I turned in my three months notice (laughs) I um we worked out a way for me to sort of phase myself out to be there full-time for another month. And then um, I offered to use like my, the rest of my vacation days to go part-time for a couple of months after that so that I could continue to build my business, still get paid like I was working there full-time and um, have a little bit of security as I, as I stepped out. And even as I wrapped up my time there and I left um, at the very end of September um, I didn't feel financially ready. I certainly hadn't didn't have a lot saved. I wasn't making as much as I would have wanted in my business in order to have made that happen. But since then, um, you know, everything has been fine. He's provided for us at every turn and um, even grown and expanded my business, both of my businesses beyond what I would have imagined. Um, and so it's kind of nice to now have a little bit of margin and freedom and not be running two businesses on the side of a full-time job, which is a little bit overwhelming um, at points. And so just to kind of now be in this place where um, I have a little bit more margin and can be brave in different ways, like whether that's in my personal life or to share the gospel with more people or whatever that looks like now in this new phase, um, like brave really was the thing that kind of continued to propel me throughout the year so that it 
so that I would take those big, crazy leaps of faith that didn't make sense to anyone and definitely didn't even make sense to me as I was going through them. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And that really speaks to me because that is exactly how God talked to me about launching Gradient and finally quitting my job and taking on clients with Instagram management. God really had me take like one baby step at a time and really eased me into it. Um, But there was all of a sudden this shift when I knew it was time to kind of step out of the boat and and trust him with my finances. And it's terrifying. Um, But it's been so cool because in that obedience, God is so faithful. And I don't know why we allow fear to creep in so much because, of course, it is risky. But, you know, uh, one of my friends used to always say, his will, his bill. And so, <laughs> you know, when he's clearly asking us to do something, how would he not provide? And so it's just cool to hear that in your in your life as well. Um, I know that you taught, obviously marketing is your background. That's a huge part of um, what you do. And I love something you said, there's a way to create compelling communication and content from the life of Jesus. Can you touch more on that? Yeah. I mean, I think if we look at, um, the life of Jesus, it's really clear that he's a compelling communicator. Um, and not just because he was God, but because he was using, you know, timeless principles that we can all pull from his life. So even just things like, knowing the purpose of what you're saying before you say it, like so that you can shape the message appropriately, Um, you know, using the right medium for the message. Like even if we think about Jesus himself and how he being, you know, human and God at the same time, had he not been, you know, fully human, we wouldn't be fully cleansed of our sin. And had he not been fully God, we also wouldn't have been fully cleansed of our sin and been able to be in in, um, you know, relationship with him, like it required both of those things. So Jesus as an incarnation in himself is a message to us, I think. And so just remembering that we need to focus on not just what we say, but the way in which we choose to say it is really important. Very um, cool. Yeah. And I think we just need to also look at, yeah, again, our strategy and what it is that we're trying to accomplish and make sure that our communication Underscore, is underscoring that goal. Um, but I think it even goes into like more specific things. Like he told a lot of stories. He got people's attention and he held it well. Like he didn't, you know, he never said anything flippant or offhand. So in the same way as we're communicating for our specific message, for our specific audience, we need to be very clear in what we're trying to accomplish and use the right means in order to do that. And it's okay to get their attention and it's okay to, you know, hold their attention. Um, In fact, it's better and it's even better serving to do that. Um, And yeah, and the last thing is just to call them to action. I think Jesus often, um, you know, would invite people to take action on what he said. And Um, I think sometimes that's where we leave off because we don't want to be pushy or we don't want to invite people into one thing or be seen as sleazy or any of that. But if you're making a compelling case and then you're asking, you know, for the next step, I think that's only fair and I think that's only appropriate. And if we look at the life of Jesus, had he or anybody else in the Bible not asked anyone, okay, so I've told you this thing, 
now, you know, what would you like to do with the rest of your life, you know, based on this gospel that I just shared with you? And had they not been invited, maybe they wouldn't have taken that next step. But we need to be putting ourselves out there. And I think that totally applies in our businesses, too. Very. I mean, well said. I mean, what a good point. It really causes me to think. Wow. I'm just really encouraged right now. How ex- I just think that's so cool. And what a different <laughs> way to look at um, what you're saying with your business or with your ministry. Um, I know that you talk a lot about having two businesses. Can you touch on your other business? Um. Yeah, I mean, so my other business is the cheerleading one that I still have and run. Um, Fortunately, it's largely passive income based. So I just have to do some regular marketing activities and it kind of fortunately runs itself most of the time or at least in the high seasons it does. Um, So yeah, I mean, it's been a challenge to kind of find the right balance between my two businesses because uh, this particular coaching business does take a lot of time But um, especially since it's newer, it's less established, there's a lot to, you know, be to take care of. And I mean, the business model is different and requires a lot more one-on-one interaction, which I actually love. And I'm glad that the Lord had put in my life to be able to do that because I feel like I was missing some of that in in the other business because it is so hands-off. And so, yeah, it can be a challenge to balance everything. I've actually had to cut some of my services from my other business to make room for having another one or rethink maybe some different offerings and figuring out what it's going to look like going forward, um, you know, as I continue to grow both of these alongside of each other. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a really good point. What, speaking to what you said about cutting services from one business to make room for the other, how do you decide what to say yes to and what to say no to? Because I, I find that to be a challenge. I know that's a challenge for all of us. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, it's being um, honest about your time and where you're spending it and how much you're spending it. So in my cheerleading business, a lot of it was passive income, but in the high seasons, like in the fall and even early winter, um, choreography is what I would do. So I would do, you know, people's cheerleading competition routines for them. And each one of those takes like 10 hours. And while I got paid more for doing that, it took 10 hours. Whereas I had maybe spent like another hour just promoting my course. I could make that up in four sales as opposed to like just one big one and spend way less time doing it. And as I was, you know, going into this other coaching world and just like needing to actually have time for people and conversations and you know, actually clients, because there is a point sometimes in your business where you're so busy that you forget, oh, what am I going to do when I actually have clients to serve? Like, how am I even going to find time for them? And then the thought of clients, which is what makes you money and makes you a business and even what you love doing can be overwhelming. So I just had to sort of take an honest look at where I was and what I could cut. And if I was only doing 10 of those routines anyway per year, it's an easy place to sort of scale back for me um, in a way that Uh, allows me much more time than I was getting. I'm thankful for that service. It really helped me get through some of those early months after leaving my job. Um, But once we got into, you know, early this year, it just became clear that that wasn't a piece that was going to be sustainable for me 
um, long term, even if I only have, because if I only have maybe one day a week or half a day a week for that business, then I need to be using those hours most effectively. And if I can do more, um, you know, with other things in that same amount of time, then that's the most responsible thing for me to do. I really believe in stewardship and how it applies to our, not just our money, but our talents and our, you know, resources and our time. And so if I can serve more people in, in the same amount of time, then I feel like that's, you know, the better use of my, of my gifts and stewarding them, you know? Absolutely. So you talk a little bit about, um, in our conversation leading up to this, the five phases of an online business and how to navigate them well. I'm super curious. I know our listeners are curious because let's be honest, most um, startups nowadays are online. It's I have a few friends with a brick and mortar, but a lot of you know our dreamers listening are thinking of what they are doing online in the online space. So I'd love for you to touch on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important Um, for every kind of business to have a digital footprint these days. And I think that's just going to be more and more true. So even if you are offline, you know, with a brick and mortar or with, you know, particular packages or retail or anything, I think having an online arm is going to be crucial, Um, not just for where we are now, but where we're going in the future. Um, So when you're online, I feel like you start in the foundation stage. Um, And this is really before you're maybe even officially a business, but I think it totally counts because it shapes so much of what you do later. And this is really just figuring out who you are and what your business is about and um, how you'll serve people well, you know, like what are and, you know, what are your gifts and what are you going to sell and how are you, you know, what are maybe the potential strategies and tactics that you think you could lean into in order to um, use your use your skills and reach people well. So I think the foundation stage is really that like clarifying place where you're figuring out who you are and and what God wants you to do with your business. And laying that foundation strongly is super important. We talk a lot in the online world about finding your niche. And I think this is where you need to do that and do that in a really clear way, like really deciding what is the one thing I want to be known for. And so spending your time in that place is important but it's also important to not just stay in that place of like the thinking and the wondering um and and clarifying but to also take action to start you know getting even more clear and i think that's what leads us into the next stage which is really the profit building stage so you've got the the foundation you kind of know what you're doing and you're at least getting in front of people with it you're talking to people and you're getting to know them more whether that's the people on your email list or the people in your facebook group or people in other facebook groups or your friends and family who might benefit from your services just really getting to know more about your clients and customers and starting starting to implement strategies to reach them more so this is the place where you're really starting to pursue your first clients you are getting visible and you are starting to hopefully make sales and finding, um, you know, making your first money and finding consistency in your cash flow as you build your initial tribe and start to sell to them. So this is really the point when you're chasing those first clients and getting things together so that you can then build on what you've created once you reach that profitability stage in your business. 
Um, and if you focus on the right things, that can happen a lot more quickly than you think. Um, and then the third stage is what I like to call the leverage stage. So this is the time when you have reached profit, you've got pretty consistent clients or sales, you've really kind of worked out what that looks like. Um, and so now you're looking to leverage your time a little bit better. So maybe this is where you're creating your first online course or your first group programs, um, or you're implementing more systems for your time so that you know, you're a little bit more structured, you're not, you know, wasting time doing this or that. Um, And maybe you're even hiring a VA or someone to help manage some little things while you manage the clients that you have. So this is really a time to kind of really leverage your time is really the idea is to find ways to um, spend less time doing the things that either you don't like doing or, or all those administrative things that are super important, but finding ways to systematize them so that you don't spend hours upon hours on it so that you can maybe take on more clients or create a new program that could serve people well at a different price point. Um, And so once you get out of the leverage stage and you've really sort of found ways to to make the most of your time, you're looking at the scale phase, which is maybe where you're creating more passive income, more autopilot programs. Um, So this is even more systems and probably even more team members so that you can be creative and focus on, you know, the client side or the vision driving um, and have people really be supporting you in what you do best um, by doing the things that you shouldn't be spending your time on anymore because you've reached a certain um, threshold, whatever that looks like for you and your business. And I think it does look different for everyone in their businesses. Um, but this is probably the time when you're also increasing your reach, increasing your reach even more, um, and really starting to lean into automation and, uh, and yeah, and team building at that point. So you're starting to step into your CEO role fully and really starting to drive the team of your direction and company, um, while also, you know, managing the things that by focusing only on the things that only you can do, you know? Um, And then lastly is really the corporate stage. This is a stage where few people get, I think, but I think in the online entrepreneurial space, I don't know that everybody wants this particular stage, but this is where you get to to really be a full-blown corporation where you've got not just team members, but teams of team members and you're serving lots of people. Um, So maybe you're more like an agency or something like that where you're really driving the full-blown direction of a large company Um, you know, to help support people or other companies or other things in a new way. So um, yeah, I think you, I think every business goes through those different phases in different lengths of time. You know, everybody takes a little bit, everybody's journey is different, but I think that everyone hits those, um, at least those lower ones or should, you know, as they go through. Totally. What's a good indicator of knowing when to put some things on automation or when to say, like, actually, it's not the best use of my time for me to do that task. I need to delegate it. And and also a twofold to that question, when when does someone know to hire someone? Because that's really scary. I know that for me, that was really scary because I um, really felt a deep conviction from the Lord of like, that this person is my responsibility to steward and it, the second it gets tight or, you know, 
it's a slow month, I still want to be able to pay them even if it's out of my savings account. Obviously, that's not the goal, but what, you know, kind of, when do you know um, it's time to hire someone and when it when is it time to automate? Yeah, so to hire someone, I think it it will vary, but what happened for me is that I got to a point where I really just needed mental space more than anything. It's not that I couldn't do all the things because I was absolutely capable. I had been doing them for three or four years and I just knew that though in order for me to serve people better or to have a little bit more space in my life so that I could you know, not feel as overwhelmed, that hiring somebody, even just for, I hired my first person for two or three hours a week, like not very much, just enough for them to set up my social media channels and, um, you know, set up my emails and blog posts. So they don't even do a ton, but even that little bit provided me so much more mental space to not have to worry about that and all those details and actually just be able to show up on my social channels and interact with people um, or pursue more sales activities and things like that. So I think you come to a point where you just start to realize that either you need more mental space so that you can serve the people that you are serving better or um, you're actually running out of time with you know clients or you start to realize that, oh, if I just paid somebody a couple hundred dollars a month to do this like I do with my VA, then if I hired, you know, if somebody paid me for a one hour session, that covers that. So as long as I have that, you know, I could and I could actually spend, you know, five hours less doing that and pursuing those things or having five more of those one hour sessions or whatever that looks like, then I'm actually better, better stewarding my time and my talent in that way. Um, so I think that's kind of step one and it's going to look a little different for everybody, but I think you'll start to notice like when you're really feeling overwhelmed or when you're really feeling, um, just sort of burdened by the administrative things and how you're not able to grow or take steps as quickly as if you had a few more hours a week. Um, so I think it's just sort of being aware of where you are in that respect and even just weighing the cost, right? Like I was mentioning, like if you had five hours, what uh, what revenue generating activities could you do that would make you more, that would make up for that other thing? Um, I hired my first VA last year as I was sort of launching this business because I had my other one, I had my job and I was just really feeling overwhelmed. So having her come on, even though it didn't feel like I needed a ton or in either of the businesses, but having somebody there to just kind of help and support was huge. And this year I actually hired an online business manager because it got to a point where I was like, man, I'm just getting a little overwhelmed with, I've got this big project coming up and it will take me like a week to set that up, you know, on my, on the back end, if I try to do it by myself or probably longer, if I was being really honest and that would cut into client time. And the fact is, if I can, if I can get one more client, you know, that's like a monthly regular client, um, then that totally pays for that person or even both of those people, like one, one client pays for both of my employees, my team members and, allows me so much more space to then be creative, to come up with things or to even spend time with God in my business to say like, God, let's talk about this today instead of feeling overwhelmed by all the little things that you do. So I think keeping an eye out for those moments is really important when you're talking about hiring your first team member. Um, When it comes to automation, I think 
it really helps to have done things organically before you try to automate them. I think a lot of people um, try to set up, say, a passive income product that they've never used before or launched before or people haven't paid for before. Or some people try to automate so early, they maybe start with um, a passive income product and they build it before they've even built an email list to send it to. So I think it's really important to go in the right order so that you are serving the best way. Because I think until you have an audience, you can create something that you think maybe they want, but maybe they want something that's totally different. That happened to me in my first business. I almost created the wrong course because I wanted to create the one that I wanted to teach about. And then I asked them in a survey what they wanted to learn about and discovered that it was something completely different. And I think that's why I did so well with that right away. And at such huge conversion rates was because I did what they asked me to do and or what they were looking for me for support with. And so I think it really helps to have been in business for a little bit to know your audience well, to know where they struggle and what um, and test it with like a launch and have them pay for it. I even say like have people pay for it before you build it, you know, create the outline, know what you're going to put into it, sell it and then create it. And once you do, then you can tweak it after people have gone through it and then automate it. So I think there's a, and, but there's a lot of other things that you can automate that are a little bit smaller. Um, you know, like I use certain email automations to help me get more discovery calls or, um, other automations just to kind of keep my social media schedule on track. So I think it depends on the level of automation that you're really looking for. But I think anything that you are automating, you want to make sure that you are having success organically before you try to put it, um, you know, on autopilot so that you're not frustrated and you haven't wasted a lot of time and money setting up something that isn't going to work for you. Because that defeats the purpose of the automation if you're just going to be frustrated with it and changing it all the time. Absolutely. Well, I thought that was really informative for our listeners. And I I love what you had to say. Um, something you mentioned, mental space. Do you find that when you make room for margin in your life and in your mind, really, you're actually more productive? Because that has totally been the case for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think I struggle with that because I'm a doer. I love to do things. I love to feel productive. And so sometimes taking those white space times um, feels very unproductive (laughs) for me. And so I really struggle to work that into my schedule. But a good example is a few weeks ago. So I really felt like the Lord is asking me to study a particular topic this year. So um, I've been really focused on that in my my alone time with him, but there was a week where I hadn't done very much of it. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to go to a coffee shop and maybe I'll get some work done. But I think the first thing I need to do is this. So as I was sitting there, I was really, you know, dwelling in the scripture that I was studying, getting to know it really well, um, you know, all around this topic that I'm learning about. And then it was sort of like, even having done that and not think about business for a little while, like I finally had the plan for my launch that I'd been looking for, that I'd sort of like, I'd planned something else. I wasn't crazy about it and I didn't really love it. And, but I was like, well, at least it's a plan and I can at least start executing on it because I'm a doer. So I'm just going to do things. And then I got this, you know, idea and I was like, oh, this is what I need to do. This is my new plan and I love it. It's going to feel great. And so, you know, now I've got something that feels aligned and awesome, but it didn't feel that way at first, you know, but it was through giving myself that white space in order to do that. And I think now 
one thing I've done with my schedule is I give myself Monday through Wednesday to work on stuff from my business. And then Thursday and Friday and Saturday morning, I take clients or I use the time in between for those white space or reading or taking a walk with my dog or any of those things. Um, those are sort of my white space days in between working with clients. And those have, that has not only made me way more productive early on in the week, but have allowed me a lot more creativity and um, joy even from what I do to have arranged my schedule in a way that complements the needs that I have in my business now. Wow, that's a, a really good um, explanation of how important it is to create that kind of middle space and that margin because you're right, you know, when you get, when you knock out those three days of focusing on your business, you're going to have the energy and the motivation and the perseverance to move forward with your clients or other aspects of what you've got going on. Really cool. Well, so we're coming up to a close, but I would love for you to touch on some of your favorite things, some of your favorite resources. Oh, and one of my other questions was, you know, you mentioned that over the last three years since starting your business, you've invested over $18,000 into your business. What did that look like for you? What would you say is the most important first investment to make in someone's business? Yeah, um, I guess I actually need to update that number because since then I've invested quite quite a bit more, at least another $10,000 in my businesses. Um, I mean, I think, I think it's going to look different for everybody. I think you really need to assess where your gaps are in, in yourself. Like if you are a marketing person like I was, maybe there's something else that you need more support in. So maybe that's more mindset. Maybe there's one specific thing that you need more help on that you don't really know. You know, so maybe figuring out, you know, what you can invest in. So just, I mean, still being a good steward of your money. I certainly don't encourage people to go crazy and spend all the money that they don't have. But to really be accurate, though, in in assessing where you are, because I even think it, one of the challenges of online business for a lot of people is that it is really low barrier to entry. It doesn't cost a lot to get started. A lot of it you can do with free stuff right away, you know, and free versions of things. And so it becomes really easy to fall in the trap to think that it's going to be easy because you started and it was pretty easy to get started. But I think we forget that there's a lot of things that we don't know. Even I didn't know. So like when I started becoming a coach in the online space, I was like, I've never actually worked with the business coach or I've never actually worked with a coach in the online space. Maybe I should do that so that a, I become a healthier human being, but also I'm learning how to do that so that I can serve people a little bit better. If I don't know how to get clients, you know, I've never done that before in this kind of business, but I've done, you know, a different kind of thing. And maybe it's wise for me to invest in something that helps me to figure out all the different nuances of, fig of creating business, you know, or creating clients for myself. Um, so those things I feel like were invaluable for me. And those took the form over the years. I think I started with courses early on because I was in a full-time job and I was building slowly intentionally, um, or not intentionally, but it, there was no pressure to build quickly. Um, but as soon as I really, you know, stepped out of like my comfort zone and knew that I needed to build a little bit more quickly as I was leaving my job. So I'd say over the last year, I mean, I've worked with 
two different coaches of my own, you know, one for mindset and one for business so that I could be prepared and be the best person that I am. And so I think it's really important for us to, yes, be wise with how we spend our money. I think, again, that goes back to our stewardship option or not option, but our stewardship point. And then, but knowing that if I need to do something to better serve myself or better serve my business as I serve other people, um, if there's a gap that I truly don't know how to fill or if I'm doing something but not seeing results from it and I don't know why, then I think it's wise to reach out to people and invest in the things that will make the difference for you. And so, um, yeah, courses and coaches, it will vary on what you need. But I think it's really important to let ourselves do that because I think if we were starting a brick and mortar business or even a products based business, we would be doing it very differently. We would have to spend money in order to make money. That's just actually how that works. Or we would have to get business loans and things like that. And so I think it's really important for us to look at our online businesses as true businesses, not as hobbies. And if you really want to grow quickly, you're gonna need to invest in order to make that happen, whether that's sophomore software or team members or coaching or courses. Um, it's gonna look very it's going to look different every way. And each of those investments has yielded a lot for me. Um, you know, I invested $10,000 in coaching last year and, you know, made like 40 grand. So it makes it di- like the difference is like it yielded a lot more than I put into it. But had I been afraid to take that step forward, I may not have gotten there as quickly or as well. Um, and so really just weighing the costs and, and doing the work. I think a lot of times we expect our investments or our coaches to be the sort of secret, the answer that we're looking for, but really they're just sort of the guides and the people that walk alongside us and encourage and support and yes, provide strategy and things that can make us better. But unless we do the work and implement, and I think this even goes for courses, you can learn all the things, but if you don't actually do them, they don't build your business at all. So being really um, wise and then committing to do the work. And really that's how we see the results. And I, I think that's how we're the best stewards of our time, talent, and treasure is by filling in the gaps that we know that we have and not being afraid to do that, knowing that that will take us further and that will make us better able to serve the people that God puts in our way to serve. Man, what a good point. I'm encouraged to kind of sit down and assess my gaps after that because it is a good point. I have a background in certain areas. I can kill it in the marketing and social media department, but then there are areas um, which, you know, one of our friends, Kate Crocco, mindset mm-hmm. coach, I have sat on a call with her and cried over like the guilt I feel in leadership or, you know, yeah. whatever. And so I think it is so important to assess your gaps see areas that you want to be thriving, but for some reason or another are not, and take action because you're right, it does take money. It takes spending money to make money. Um, and and some of the investments I've made in my businesses have yielded, you know, tenfold. It is absolutely worth it. Totally. So cool. Well, I would love for you to touch on and share um, where our listeners can find you, kind of some packages you offer. I have loved getting to chat with you um, today. Yeah. So I, um, you can find more about me at my website, kateboyd.me. And I also have a private Facebook community that people can join called the Purpose Driven Dreamer Society. 
Um, and you can get that get to that easily at kateboy.me slash dreamers. It's much easier to get there that way. Um, and so as for some of the ways that I help people and serve people in their businesses is I have got, you know, obviously I'm a one-on-one coach in some ways. So I have clients that I serve that way. And for six months at a time, we both commit to working alongside one another to really elevate their business um, at wherever they are. Um, most people are at that point, they're sort of out of their foundation. They at least know what they want to do and they're starting to pursue that profit place, but are maybe getting stuck in one place or another. Um, and that's, and I really enjoyed the women that the Lord has brought to me to serve in that way. But I'm also launching, um, in April, a membership site community for maybe people who are looking for support and knowledge in some of those basic skill sets for, um, online entrepreneurs like email marketing and social media and all those things that a lot of people aren't familiar with. You know, we think that getting into business means we just have to be an expert at what we do, but there's so much more that goes into it as you really have to step into those things. And like we were talking about, assess our gaps. Like what is it that we don't know, but we know that we need to succeed. And so this is really, um, the membership community is designed to provide those basic skill sets for you, but also provide the community in a Christian setting and some personalized support from me through questions, um, you know, question threads, and um, even just like some group coaching calls throughout the months and everything. So all of that is is coming up to support people. Um, and so you can learn more about that at kateboy.me slash BBA because it's Believer's Business Academy. I guess I should have said that before. Cool. Um, so it's just the initials and those are the best places to find me um, and learn more about what I do and how I might be able to support you and your business. Oh, so cool. I'm just so glad we got to chat today. It has been an honor to have you. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. And you guys, I will be linking up Kate's, you know, links in the show notes so that you have easy access to them. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me and I can't wait to chat again. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. You guys, having Kate on today was just such a blast. She's full of such insightful wisdom. And I know that you can take away so many things to apply to your business after listening to this episode. I've linked up her website and her social media outlets in the show notes. So you'll definitely have to follow along with her, get in touch, and maybe even collaborate with Kate, work with her. She really will help you take your business to the next level. As always, you can find us at radiantmagazine.org, but our brand spanking new website as well, radiantcollective.org, that has links to everything we do here at Radiant, whether it is city meetups, our podcast, our free resources, and of course, our Radiant community. We would love for you to dive into the word with us and go deeper. In May, we're focusing on courage, and we have about five months of content that's already there for you to get involved and go deeper with. We also have a private Facebook community where you can be a part of, and it's only seven bucks a month. So find everything at radiantcollective.org. It will take you where you need to be. It will give you all the information you're looking for, and we can't wait for you to get more involved and more connected with us. Who are you texting? My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call. Yep. 
That sounds too easy. How did you find her? I just went to betterhelp.com slash save. She's a licensed therapist and it's all online. I connect when it's convenient for me and don't waste time driving anywhere. Plus it's affordable. I wonder if I should try it. It's great to talk to someone in confidence. She's helped me sort out quite a few things. And right now you save 10% off the first month when you go through betterhelp.com slash save. Betterhelp.com slash save. Got it. Duncan is here to keep you running with a much needed taste of normal. To work, home, or work from home. With the coffee you like, just the way you like it. Whether that's a small hot black coffee, your daily 2 p.m. latte, or a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant and a medium iced coffee with oat milk, one sugar, two pumps of caramel, one pump hazelnut, a swirl of French vanilla, and a shot of espresso. I call it my p.m. pep rally. You should really try it. Whatever it is that gets you running, Dunkin's got you and always will. America runs on Dunkin'.